Cultivated Being Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Cultivated Being Podcast. You are in the right place if you want to hear two brothers talk about their life. (laughs) And not to mention other great things like health and wellness in a time of pandemic. Um, Jake, what's up today, man? Hey, Nick, it's good to be here. As always, it's great to look at your face through this computer screen. Mm-hmm. Sun shining today in Nashville, Tennessee. And so life's pretty good right now. What about you? Life is good. We finally, it feels like spring here in NorCal. I spent a couple of don't, afternoons with my shirt don't. off. It was excellent. <laughs> you know? Very good, Nick. Very good. It's good to be out in nature. It's good to expose the body to the elements. And it is saddening me that most parks now are becoming illegal. Yeah. Actually, I didn't mean to go like straight into disappointing things right now, but uh, we just got back from Florida. We spent a few days there to just get some family time when we spent um, uh, some time in the sun because Nashville was having really bad weather and we're like quarantine and like, this is too much. Let's just get some sunshine. And uh, we we were able to, but it's funny, like our favorite little park in the neighborhood, um, where we both used to live, we had, um, like it's an amazing city park, but so many things were actually caution taped off. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Uh, the park wasn't caution taped off. You could still walk through the park, but like there's a central gazebo caution tape. Can't go in there. It's too dangerous. Uh, the jungle gyms and things like that, obviously caution off. And that makes sense. Like kids don't know how to yeah. do like six feet of distance and whatever. But this park also had this interesting circuit. Like you can follow this workout path where there's single machines to do like interval training. Oh, Probably cool. seen those in parks. Just like little outdoor workout machines that you can do. Those are caution taped off. Heaven forbid you go on a machine to work out by yourself right now. Yep. Uh, and so it's kind of funny. I drove by other gazebos in town. This wasn't even a park. This was like a neighborhood gazebo, just like in the middle of a fancier West Palm neighborhood. Caution taped off. Gazebos must be like one of the best ways to spread infectious yeah. disease. <laughs> yeah. But well, sadly, the whole beach, the whole beach was like police riot control, like blockaded the whole like public beach on Palm Beach Island. I'm just like, man. Such a good way to get healthy, just yeah. like going on a walk in the beach and like great weather, just like grounding, getting sunshine, getting fresh air, walking barefoot. Nope, can't do it. It's a crying shame. Yeah. I mean, obviously people don't care about the health stuff right now. They say that they do. And some people that, you know, I have some patients who are like 30 year old, they have no health problems and they're totally freaking out about it. So, I mean, obviously, teach their own. But um, I'd say, yeah, I mean, the fact that 
I can buy boxes of vitamin C and vitamin D at my local grocery store and there is no toilet paper says everything about it. Really? <laughs> Priorities. That is, that's a little comic strip all by itself. That's like a one box <laughs> Sunday newspaper comic strip piece right there. It's true. It says a lot. So we're not allowed to go outside, but we're allowed to stay inside and consume all the entertainment we want to consume. I think we should talk about that, Nick. Yeah. But first, you sh- you sh- just can't believe you haven't commented on how thick my beard's getting. I haven't trimmed my beard you know in so what? long. That is the thickest I've seen it. You got, I could even see there's some color in it for sure. You mean a lack of color? No. You mean grays? Yeah, there are multiple colors in that beard. It looks well, good. You look distinguished. It's a quarantine beard, Nick. I haven't been working my normal my normal you, setting. You put on a blazer, you'd look like a professor right now at Berkeley or something. Ooh, because of my nerd glasses right now, too. You got your nerd glasses on. You've got a well-established beard. A couple just grays need, in it. Just need the tweed <laughs> jacket. <laughs> yes. So what have you been into? What are you watching? Oh, man. I mean, I've mostly just been pacing back and forth in my home. <laughs> but when I'm not just pacing back and forth, we, <laughs> we in this household, we've decided we, uh, we're going like the most entertainment possible for the most part. So we got, we like revisited a bunch of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. We revisiting John Wick in the moment. And we're also revisiting the fast and furious franchise. <laughs> so we're going as much like high adrenaline, just pure fun entertainment as possible. Nice. Cause I admit there are better movies out there, but not really. Those are some of the best movies as far as like, you want to be entertained. These are the best movies, pure entertainment. You will be engaged. Basically Mm -hmm. that's what science has proven in the lab is most engaging is Marvel movies basically. And other action movies of the sort. And and fast Fast and furious. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's great too. The, The later fast and furious movies, you feel like you're part of a family, you know? Family is so important. And you know what? Our mother keeps telling me that for some reason right now. Not for some reason. I know why she's saying it, but just like family is so important. And I'm just like, all right. That's what Dom Dom Toretto says. Dominique Toretto. (laughs) I get it. Life's all about family, sleeveless shirts, chains, and Coronas. You know what I mean? Oh, and driving fast. Driving fast. Right hook, man. (laughs) Oh yeah. <laughs> Lots. Of, yeah. But that's, you know, I've honestly, I was fading out of action films, but then John Wick came around and I was like, I totally blown out of the water. I mean, John Wick one, which came out of nowhere. And I had almost forgotten about Keanu Reeves and that movie came out. I mean, that's maybe not true because at that same time, I think at the same time he came out with Man of Tai Chi. Did you ever see that? 
Yeah, and like Ronin forty seven or whatever. Forty seven, and I was like, <laughs> "What the heck? He's he's became the best action hero again in the world." Yeah, um, those other movies didn't do great, but they were good. Man, I, I thought they were cool. I thought Ronin forty seven or forty seven Ronin was good. It was just received poorly by yeah, audiences yeah. and critics. But I was like. Very weird, fun movie. I like yeah. a good weird. <laughs> yeah, like we're a samurai, but somehow Keanu Reeves is one of them, and then <laughs> and they don't explain his character. And there's like maybe a, maybe there's like magic, and there's a dragon, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's cool, but yeah, certainly John Wick, and you're like, wow, this is, you know, in the land of ballets, this is Tchaikovsky coming out with the nutcracker you know what i mean it was just as far as action movies go it is yeah. it's a masterpiece and it doesn't need weird explaining like maybe there's a magic and maybe there's dragons like 47 ronin it's like this is a retired deadly assassin hitman and he got pulled out of retirement because of wreck i'm not i want to spoil it because of just a reckless son of a russian mobster and he just goes on a rampage. He just goes on a rampage. It's like a just a clean plot of yeah. maybe the most dangerous man in a given area of this made-up world. What I like about this world, it's like, yeah, it's New York, but it's not. It seems fictional. It's like yeah. an alternate universe, yeah, but it's totally. still New York-y. And it's, yeah, just maybe the most dangerous man. He falls in love. He's in retirement and then just goes on a just a rampage of revenge and it's simple plot wise so it's you don't get lost and just like what why are they doing that what's happening here what it's just like i get it and it's executed perfectly the the stunts the choreography the action's so perfect have you uh, seen the third <laughs> one the most recent iteration of john wick yeah, and I like how they're all escalated because that's a yeah. common thing to do with the sequel. It's like, okay, let's do the exact same thing that made the first one good, but on steroids. And sometimes that ruins it, but not in the John Wick series. <laughs> yeah. The third one is exquisitely beautiful. And Halle Berry is awesome in it, number one. So are those German Shepherds. Those German Shepherds that are Halle Berry's are incredible. But that knife scene... The, the shop <laughs> with the knives and the axes is one of the most, you know, edge of your seat scenes I've ever seen in a theater. I couldn't even believe it. Well, those people who haven't watched it, they go, Keanu Reeves is trying to hide from some people and he goes into like some antique, going through some antique stores and he comes into an antique knife and like, but they don't know that right away. So it's like hand fighting. Yeah. And then they realize that they're surrounded by antique knives encased in glass. Yeah. <laughs> like during the fight. And then what, what's awesome about it is it is realistic. It's not like just the classic, oh, here's an assassin with some knives and they just throw it across the room perfectly killing people. They start throwing them and it's not perfect. I mean, Mm-mm. you can't perfectly throw knives as well as most movies have seen so like they'll throw a knife and it'll bounce off and then the other one's throwing a knife and you're like is this gonna stick is it not (laughs) oh it's just you feel it's desperate you know you feel like 
some movies are like does like Fast and Furious is a great example. You never feel like it's life or death. Everyone in that movie seems like they're impossible to kill. And that's kind of what makes it fun because that's like a movie of hyperbole. John Wick is like you feel the desperateness in a lot of these scenes. It's exquisite. <laughs> it is. Well, what's but okay, I just said hyperbole, but leading up to that knife fight scene is like a sword fight scene on motorcycles. And before that, that scene. And before that, he uses a horse as a weapon to kill a bunch of people. I don't know about kill, but definitely hurt them a lot. Yeah. He's like hiding in a barn. So beginning John Wick 3 is being hunted by every assassin in the world. And he's uh, just like, yeah, <laughs> he's using a horse to just, I don't know. It's great. Okay. It's worth watching. Me. I'm going to, so I'm going to rent it tonight or something. One of the reasons we got back into John Wick again and uh, Fast Furious is because of a podcast that I've been consuming. We just did a road trip too. So, uh, we're hitting some podcasts and one's called the rewatchables hmm. and it's these comedic writers, but they're talking about movies that are highly rewatchable and they break it down in a really delightful way. And so I've probably seen like, or not seen, but listened to like 15 different rewatchable episodes and there's a ton and they're all really good. But on this road trip, we just did John Wick 2 and Fast and Furious 7. And it's like, yeah, we got to get back into these series. So good. It's a good podcast. Yeah. Well, sounds good. There you go. For people who are looking for something, there you go. I got more things that I'm into. Let's hear it. What do you got? I'm a big YouTube consumer. Uh, especially when it comes to food stuff. Nice. And Bon Appetit has a really good channel. And there's yeah. a lot of fun stuff to watch on that one. So I if you're going to do a cooking channel, that, Bon Appetit's so. a really good one. I'm going to write, I'm writing that down the old-fashioned way. They have a wide variety of shows on that with their different uh, food writers and chefs. And one of them, it's alive with Brad and he does a lot of fermented stuff and he's just very entertaining. And there's another really fun one where there's this very nerdy guy. <laughs> I'm not that different from his name's Chris <laughs> Morocco and they all like to make fun of him a lot. And, and it's, it's justified, but they also respect him a lot. And they have a challenge for him where they'll make a dish from like a YouTube channel from like a famous celebrity, not celebrity chef, but like, yeah, well-known chef. And he blindfold, he's blindfolded. He gets to smell it and he has to touch it and taste it, but he can't see it. And he has to recreate the dish and they grade him on it. Those are kind of fun. That's interesting. And a part of it is he has to guess who he thinks his recipe it is too. And he's been pretty good. <laughs> it's kind of good. Uh, and he's it's amazing because he might think like something's easy to make because in theory it is because it's just like oh I know what this is this is chicken pad thai or something like that but every recipe has their own unique take on it totally and uh, that one's kind of fun for me because I'm always like I would love to try to do this challenge 
<laughs> well, I like that he gets to touch it too. Oh, that's important. It's very important. Cause he'll pull out one thing at a time and he's like, okay, this could be got some kind of herbage thing. And then I'll like smell and taste and be like, it's definitely cilantro, <laughs> you know? So he has to do like one thing at a time. It's kind of fun. <laughs> what about you? That was pretty fun. Well, um, yeah. Okay. I'll tell you the truth here. This is the, the thing I've been into the past week. Well, there's two things. One is, uh, you know, we don't get great internet, although we're doing better. We're doing our best, people. Watching more internet stuff. However, we do have, uh, you know, direct TV. Mm. And I've been recording stuff on the Hillsong station. So they have a station? They have a station. And what's cool is they, they'll do, like, at least one time a day, they'll have, like, a worship compilation where it's just live video worship that they've compiled, right? It's not just like one live show, but they put some, you know, some songs together and it's nice. Cause it's positive. The music is good. It's got good emotion. You know, you'll feel, you'll feel the feels, but I've also been recording. They have a lot of Joseph Prince and mm. he's just so positive. His message is so positive. It's been great to listen to because I mean, here's the thing. I'm still seeing patience and I love it. I'm grateful as, as Kairos were able to do that right now. Um, but my patients are bringing in a whole lot of baggage about the coronavirus. Like everyone is, but you know, I'm getting exposed to people are talking to me for a long period of time about it every day. And, and it's not like, here's some facts. They're like, this is how I'm feeling about it. And blah, blah, blah. This is kind of heavy stuff. So it's nice to go home. I'll put on some Joseph Prince. And I'm just like, okay, cool positive there's harmony in the world things are good the other thing i've been getting into trying to convince my wife to watch it more with me but is goop lab on netflix so if those of you who know the actual goop lab which is gwyneth paltrow's company they they came up with an interesting show it's like maybe five six episodes or something and they they basically try out all the alternative healthcare stuff that maybe people want to try, but is maybe too weird or it's, they don't have access to it or something. And they, they, they give a genuine authentic show and experience with it. And they say how they feel about it. So it's been interesting to watch that. It's a, it's a worthwhile thing to check out. Mm-hmm. Our our boy Wim Hof is featured on it. Oh yeah, and our Actually, other yeah boy. <laughs> yeah we got two boys on it. Our other boy John Amaral. We haven't talked about John Amaral specifically on this pod, I don't think, but he's a guy on both of our radar, closer to home to Nick for sure. I yeah, I almost worked out of his office when I opened up. I was trying to rent space from him but he was getting too successful and disinterested in having an office at that point. Mm. And it kind of fell Shame. apart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. Could we could have had a good, you know, you know, what? imagine where his career would be if he let you in his office. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He would probably not have been Gwyneth Paltrow's <laughs> for sure. But, uh, 
we would have had a good, you know, buddy cop kind of thing going. I like to think. That's that's tease that, <laughs> and let uh, maybe people watch it this week if they're so inclined on Netflix. Goop Labs. We can talk about it more in detail because it's very. It pertains very much to our. Uh, yeah, really. Well, yeah, yeah, our world. These are the the worlds that we operate in, and uh, maybe we could do another. We could so. Something I thought could be an episode by itself is we could talk about our take as holistic doctors on relevant movies to infectious disease. So that's the movie Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman, one of my favorite actors. That's the movie Contagion. I've seen Contagion. I haven't seen Outbreak, but various other actors. That's the documentary. <laughs> we could watch Twelve Monkeys. We could watch. That's more of a time travel insanity movie. But sure, we could do, and we could do the documentary uh, pandemic if we want to. Or Sahara, Matthew McConaughey, and uh, that is a movie on infectious disease. Yeah, it's worth rewatching. What's I'll the other that. actor? Penelope Cruz, and what's the other guy? It is Steve Zahn, baby. Steve One of my Zahn. favorite actors of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very accurate film, I'd probably assume. I think <laughs> Steve Zahn should be in every movie. Yeah. Yeah, he plays the buddy the best. The sidekick kind of role. <laughs> so good. All right. Okay. All right. I'll, we have some homework then. We can get into them next week. Um. So yeah, we we won't maybe we won't get into Goop Lab so much right now either, but yeah, give people a chance to maybe watch an episode or two. Yeah, I got a lot of texts from patients or like emails that are like, "Hey, did you see Goop Labs?" Especially there's like an energy medicine episode, and I was like, and you know, no, I hadn't, and I was gonna obviously check it out. So it's cool that a lot of you know my clients were like this is about you. You got to check it out. And it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And it is super interesting. And of course, um, because John Emeril's become so famous, you can also find really interesting podcasts where he's featured as a guest talking about energy medicine. And you know what Jake and I do is there is energy, energetic side to it. We are doing energy medicine. Um, but there's layers to what we're doing. There is still physical stuff. There's still, emotional stuff neurological stuff um so and just straight mechanical structural every yeah every session and every person varies we, yeah, it is so very we, fascinating we don't usually stress the energy side unless somebody's coming in for that specifically but um it is interesting because there is a lot of pessimism surrounding it there's lots of uh, judgment surrounding, you know, what you might see when you watch an energy session. Uh, so it's a little, there may be taboo in some circles. That's what makes it fun to talk about though, too. <laughs> that's what the, yeah. And that's also what Goop Labs is. It's like they're targeting specific things that are somewhat controversial by like mainstream medical world and just mainstream common expectations of healthcare. So they're going for the more controversial things yeah so it's worth watching it's worth thinking about it's worth investigating on your own so we'll tease that give you guys the whole week to maybe check it out and then we'll talk about it next week 
Cool. What else do you want to talk about today? Well, Nick, you know, we were known for not really prepping episodes, but I thought we were going on at a certain time, so I sat down at this desk, and then you didn't respond to my text, so then I just started jotting down stuff. So I have a lot of things we've been talking about. But one idea, and these were really ideas because I took a week off blogging because I kind of went on vacation just now, but these are kind of a blog ideas, so maybe I'll workshop them <laughs> with you, okay? One is people are saying when we go back to normal, and that's an idea, big idea, that I want to talk about. When? When we go back to normal, okay? Part of that is because for like four years now in my sessions, I always coach. We got to create a new normal. Your normal that you came into me with, because I, Nick and I mostly specialize in chronic health issues, not necessarily acute. So these are things people have been dealing with for a while, which is safe to say like the body's adapted them as part of the normal. You agree with that, Nick? You can disagree. Thumbs up. Nick was taking a drink. All right. (laughs) So there you go. We have to create a new normal is a language that I've had for a while. Normal wasn't working for you. Let's make a normal that does work for you where you don't have such and such experiences that you've come in to deal with. Right. Totally. So now we have a societal, we have a global, right? This is the whole world. We have a little bit of a disruption here and people are saying, want to go back to normal. And I'm just like, why? Like, obviously you can keep the good, but it's like normal wasn't working for us. Normal wasn't helping cancer. Normal wasn't helping heart disease. Normal wasn't helping anxiety and chronic depression. You know? Oh, yeah. So I don't want to go back to normal. I want to talk about a new normal. Or I want to, like, move towards that. We're having conversations. Like, I obviously want to go back to normal in so much as I want to, like, hug people and I greet them. You know? (laughs) I want to, like... I want to be able to go to parties, people's houses. I'd love to go to a concert or go to a movie or go to a restaurant. But like go back to normal. Why would we do that? Normal wasn't perfect. So I'm always like in my own personal sessions with people, it's always about moving forward and creating something that works better. Totally. I like that, Jake. And I think it's, you know, this is something I've been thinking about a lot is thinking of the whole world as a body on the table for me, right? You know, <laughs> sure. Because, yeah, I mean, the world is undergoing some form of healing always. Maybe some destruction at the same time. It's much, much like life. This is how life operates. And we know based off of the microcosm of healing that we get to do we know also what the macrocosm of healing looks like and this is a healing cycle you know this is an incredible opportunity it's like when somebody gets put on a you know bed rest or something because their health takes a big sharp decline well that's a great opportunity for healing the 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 towel hasn't been thrown in yet it's not over you know this is the moment where your body's saying, hey, look, there's something here. We need to focus in on this. 
Yeah, some people get put in induced comas so they can heal. Like sometimes it's that bad where it's like we're making you go into a coma so you can heal, right? There's a lot of, like healing can look like a lot of different things. Yeah, and that's where we're at right now. So as individuals, as a collective, what are we trying to heal in this moment? What's what is what are the symptoms communicating and uh in courage and not fear we step forward with willingness and acceptance and love and support for ourselves and for each other and that's the way you heal you heal with love you don't heal as well with fear even though life is so good at healing that you could even heal with fear but it does it better with love Far better with love. Fear just means you're focusing not on love very much, but love's still going to be available. You know, it's an interesting study. Okay, sorry. I've been thinking about this because I just went through this. There's a lot of research out there about, you know, World War II, which was far more severe than what was going on right now. But um, there was unfortunately a lot of infant orphans during World War II and they studied a group of them in the UK. And in the UK, these infant orphans were giving all the things that they need to live. Food, warmth, they were getting some stimulation, right? Whatever the boxes were, you could go through a bit. Okay, we're checking off the boxes. The nurses are doing this. And yet there was an extremely high death rate among these infant orphans. And basically to the point where you know now the way that the research kind of shows how what happened and what went down is that they these infants were losing the will to live mm. and it's because they had all the things on paper but they didn't get any of the love you know there was just so much depression and apathy out there in the world and these babies were in that collective consciousness okay they weren't removed, even though they don't understand English, they understand energy. We all understand that. And so these babies were unfortunately dying at really, really high rates. Now, I don't want to dwell on the negative here. I want to go to the positive. What we all need is that love. We need the energy of love to grow, to progress, to heal. And if someone else isn't going to give it to me, right? I don't have a wet nurse. <laughs> right now um if someone's not gonna give it to me i gotta give it to myself right <laughs> that makes me think very important early developmental psychology theories about self-soothing like a lot of our difficulties growing up are based on unmet needs as a child where we learn to self-soothe and it like modifies and creates behaviors and creates expectations and belief systems very fascinating that study is very fascinating. It's very important, right? Because what are we living in a world of right now, which is where it's like a lot of despairing, mm -hmm. a lot of isolation, a lot of aloneness. And those environmental factors, we know because it's well documented, create a certain health picture that's common, which is not conducive to being healthy. It's not conducive to a functioning immune system. It's not conducive to surviving infectious disease. And we're literally creating the conditions right now for infection to do really well, other than one detail. 
quarantine, right? So social distancing, if you want to talk about it like that, what we do is limiting interactions and interaction interactions are a variable that leads to the spread of some kind of infection. But the other details for the most part are in the opposite direction. They're not necessarily productive towards limiting an infectious disease. But those other details are harder to control. Like a government can't really control those details, which is overall sense of well-being, exercise, access to nature, access to meaningful relationships, a sense of belonging, a sense of safety. Government doesn't know how to do those things well. And that's why as you know, as powerful as governments have been, we haven't been able to really get a grip on other health outcomes in the world like starvation to suicide to depression and anxiety and to even things like heart disease and obesity. Those things don't respond to control. They don't respond to force. But you know what does respond to force? Enemies. Yeah. And this is like an enemy, right? There's a virus. There's an invader. There's a threat that's external. And so a government can be like, okay, we do this. This is what we do. And so that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing force as a justification for a health problem. And that's because there's some kind of external foreign invader. Whereas before this in, this particular contagion came into existence, the majority of our health problems were internally derived, mm-hmm. which the government isn't very good at dealing with. And to bring it back to Hawkins, because you talk about force, well, the flip side of that is power. And, you know, so basically at these lower levels, anything, your efforts are derived as force and they feel forced. (laughs) They don't feel very efficacious or sustainable. And power, things just happen so effortlessly and so efficaciously and on grand schemes of things. So this is, I mean, here's, okay. Did you talk about forcing, trying to control a virus, forcing, trying to stop a disease process or to slow some issue challenge in the world and society. It takes an exceptional, exceptional amount of effort. The power is, your body already has the cure. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is the power. Your body already has the cure. It's already within you, okay? It's your immune system, which has been made, designed, slash evolved to take care of a plethora of issues, and it does it better than anything else does. Even if there's a vaccine, well, guess what? The vaccine relies on your immune system for you to be immune to it, right? Yeah, vaccines don't aren't a treatment. Vaccines are like a stimulus for your immune system to get the job done. Yeah, and this is this is where we start to lose our power is when we project it externally. I see this so much with my patients. They they feel victim. I'm a victim of life and all these things, and I'm a victim of my circumstances and a victim of my health, and I'm a victim of the government and society and the virus and whatever else but they're projecting 
their power externally to themselves rather than relying on that internal power. They say, well, if I do this exercise program, then I will be able to lose weight. If I get a vaccine, then I'll be immune to the coronavirus if I do this. But the truth is, it's like you already have that power. It's already there. For instance, if you get a cut, it's, it's easy to understand. You would never doubt for a second that you weren't going, going to heal from that cut. No one would doubt that. I mean, you get a cut. I mean, there are some medical conditions, of course, that might be an exception to the rule. There's some bleeding disorders and like yes. blood thinning issues. <laughs> yes, but, yes, yes, yes. But like, you know. Let's say paper cut. Let's yeah, say you, just a paper get, cut. You get a paper cut. You're never going to be like, man, I could never squeeze limes again. Um, you're going to be like, okay, <sighs> I'm going to heal. What a shame. I'm going to heal from this. And if you apply Neosporin and a Band-Aid, you wouldn't think, man, this Neosporin is healing me or this Band-Aid is healing me. You understand that it, your body is doing it. No totally. doctor in the world can heal you. But you can heal you. Yep. Doctors' jobs are to create the environment for the healing powers that are innate in you to work their best. Doctors don't heal. They just create a better environment for healing to happen. Yeah. And, and this is also true for other circumstances that aren't, that aren't, you know, physiological health, mental health, you know, emotional health, spiritual health. Mm -hmm. You have all the power. It's already within you. You know, we feel like, okay, well, what, what about economic depression? It, the, there's money out there. The money is still there. It's not like everyone just burnt the money. There's money out there. It's being Feels held. Like it. It's not flowing as well as it flowed before. But, you know, the power is there. There's no loss of anything. We're creating new circumstances that we have to adapt to. If you go into a hot room, you'll be like, that's okay. My body knows how to sweat. <laughs> I can I can change my breathing and my heart rate and I will adapt to this room. That's what we have to do right now. And everyone has to get it into their heads that I am capable of this time. I was made for this kind of stuff. I was made for this. And this is a new opportunity to to take it to the next level. Yeah. That's the thing though. This is an issue going on right now that for the most part we're powerless to other than our own innate immunological function. Yet we're going at it externally. We're trying to create these rules and these changes and we're trying to force things upon the populace to limit the spread of this. But that's all the government's doing is trying to limit the spread or slow the spread. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's all they can do is slow it, meaning that this is a a virus that you're going to probably encounter and then your body's going to have to deal with it as best as it can. Does that make sense? So I want to, <laughs> I want to get into some other things. So the government's trying to slow the spread and we're creating a bunch of changes, right? So let's get back to this idea of like the new normal. Bunch of things are changing. And some of these things to me are more alarming than the virus itself. Okay. And that's because, well, frightened people more easily accept 
infringements of civil liberties. And that gets into all the conspiracy theories that are going around, which are conspiracy theories. Who knows if any of it's true, if there's any even shred of truth in it. But because the times are so different, then it, it, it predisposes itself to conspiracy theorists out there, which I've always enjoyed a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> Some of these concern me, though. And that's just because, like, we're talking about a new normal, right? And I hope the new normal is people are like more self-aware of healthy activities, right? Like washing hands, especially if you're like in the, like the service industry, especially food service and like healthy things about like, if you feel sick, not going out and just spreading it to everybody, simple things like that. But some of the things that are changing right now are like civil liberties, for example, certain things changed overnight the positive thing about this is how cool is it that if we're focused on something we can dramatically change quickly because a lot of people thought we couldn't you know and that's why we're looking at i don't know things like world hunger or whatever and we're like you just can't get people to change and it's like well we just proved that you can get people to change pretty quickly mm-hmm. you know if we're aligned in a common goal but the downside is sometimes things get normalized during significant times and uh, they just become accepted. So after 9-11, that was like the only thing in my lifetime that similar to this. And most of the things that changed, some of it has to do with freedom of information and stuff like that, which hasn't directly affected me as far as I know. But things like traveling on planes certainly has, right? Mm-hmm. And we've surrendered certain civil things that aren't really a big deal to us. But, like, I think, okay, (laughs) like, you can't take your own lunch on an airplane, you know? Not a big deal, right? But nonetheless, something that we've accepted. Like, you just can't bring food on planes anymore. And you just have to accept that they're going to make you walk around in your socks or barefoot for a little bit on your way to go to your plane and you're just like, whatever, it's in the name of security. So my concern right now is how many things we're going to be like, well, whatever, it's in the name of not spreading infectious disease that we're going to have to tolerate. And there's a lot of things. It could be everything from it's not socially acceptable to hug each other anymore or like we can't gather at churches or go to concerts anymore, right? more extreme things, but certain things are changing. We've accepted them in the short term, but how many of these things are going to become normalized long-term thought about that? This conversation requires. Well, to tell you the truth, Jake, I've got another patient. I'm going to go back to the office for you have to go to work. Yeah. Yep. So I do got to get going here, but got a couple minutes to wrap up some thoughts. Okay. So (laughs) thinking your thoughts, Nick, on things that could be normalized, right? Because it's easy to accept things as a society in the name of safety, right? It's like, okay, we need to be safe. We need to protect our civilians. So this is okay right now. But how much is going to be okay long-term because guess what? 
COVID-19 is going to kind of go away. It probably is going to be endemic, meaning it's going to be part of our normal circulation of viruses, but like the attention to it's going to go away eventually. But infectious disease is not going away. That's always going to be around. So how many of these new like rules and orders do you think might stick around? Um, I'm personally concerned for restrictions on business and people, how many people they see, how many people are allowed to visit a business in a day. What about how many people gathering? Yeah, that would be, I mean, (laughs) we kind of live in a little commune with our family and there's nine of us. So... (laughs) can only have one guest over you can have one guest maybe um so you know that stuff honestly though it's like i mean i hate to put it out there on the air (laughs) for everyone to hear but i'm not gonna follow this stuff whatever they say yeah but currently it's like becoming well it's being changed nick you do have your liberties and initially it was like okay voluntary quarantine and it's transitioned in most states to involuntary quarantine and you're only allowed to leave your house for very explicit reasons and it's also explicitly implied the reasons you can't leave your house very strange and very like Never thought this would happen in America in our lives anyway. And you think that the Revolutionary War was in part over a sales tax of people's favorite morning beverage, okay? That was a big part. (laughs) Yeah, the tea tax was an enormous influence on the Revolutionary War, taxation without representation. Um, and they went to war over that, you know. <laughs> it wasn't just that. I mean, you can almost look at our constitution as like, okay, these are things that they had to deal with almost. And there's a reason like the right of assembly was listed so high in the amendments is because people gathering together with a common purpose is a very powerful experience. Okay. Most of us only ever experience that at like concerts church if you go to like a bigger church but even like small church 100 people gathering for a common purpose is still a powerful thing and then there's also you know your sporting events and whatever these are like empowering experiences and very energetic and tyrannical governments do not want empowered people and assembling assembling is very powerful feeling yeah no absolutely it is um Speaking of assembling, I do have to go assemble elsewhere with only one person, so people shouldn't get all freaked out about it. But yeah, Nick, the government's watching you. Be careful. <laughs> they are listening to this. If I know anything Nick. about the NSAs, you shouldn't say NSA while you're talking to anyone. <laughs> uh, well, that being said, Nick, that's. Uh, we could do a we could do a double pod. We we teased that before, but man, I'm home. I got a microphone. I got an internet still. 
Yeah, that's, we should. That's, absolutely. Uh, because I, we can have um, an email us cultivated being pod. Wait, is that the email? The cultivated being at Gmail at Gmail. Yeah. Email us uh, your thoughts, anything you want to talk about and we're, can try and keep it lighthearted and try and keep it encouraged because Nick and I are still very encouraged, even though it's easy to despair of certain things right now, but let us know your thoughts or what you'd like to hear us say. We're going to do a podcast coming up about things that are binge worthy, like <laughs> pandemic style movies or the goop labs. So let's see if we can make that happen. Nick. Sounds good. Well, love you, Jake. Love you, all of our listeners, and enjoy. All right. Love you, too. Bye. Bye.